Welcome to Radio Survivor, a program about community radio and college radio and non-commercial radio and uh, podcasting that overlaps with those things. My name is Eric Klein. I'm a host and producer of this program. I'm Paul Reesmanel. I'm the other host and producer. And we have we have some tagline submissions. That one help, wasn't good enough. Come to on, help that us one. out with the multi-breath version uh, that Eric just just spit out at us all so we'll be we'll be getting at that in in just a moment and also coming up we'll hear from jennifer waits uh she hasn't been on in a couple weeks and she'll be updating us on some news in the world of college radio and uh we'll be taking a look at what it what is it being called over at in cumulus san francisco (sighs) massacre i think is the word that is being used in the industry we're going to talk a little bit about well a massacre at Cumulus San Francisco. That's Cumulus a jobs being massacre. The number two uh, radio company in the United States in terms of number of stations it owns. No it's, surprise if you've been listening to Radio Survivor. No surprise. So we'll be getting to that in a little bit. But first, I wanted to have some updates, some follow up here. Uh, we got a really nice email from Barry Peters from Bainbridge Community Broadcasting. Um, and they were on episode eight of of the podcast. He seminal episode eight, along with his wife Channy, and he said that he was listening to our uh, more recent episode number thirty eight, where you had asked me. Ah, thanks for listening, Barry. Uh, yeah, exactly. You had asked me uh, what program people should start with if they were going to go back. If they like, like if they had heard thirty eight and they were going to go back, I said, well, they should go back to number eight because I thought it was an interesting interview and it was a new perspective on community broadcasting. Yeah, I would say that. Uh, just being in the room and and being a part of that episode changed my life because yeah. I did it did it just changed how I thought about podcasting from that moment on and isn't that funny? So he gave us an update that they've been growing since they were on and it was almost a year ago now. Uh, they've now published three hundred and sixty five episodes over the course of twenty. Did we describe months. what Bainbridge Community Media was? Yeah, Bainbridge Community Broadcasting is actually community podcasting instead of. Starting a low-power FM station on Bainbridge Island in Washington State, they realized that the sort of uh, terrain challenges of starting the, the, the LPFM would mean that they would have a hard time reaching really enough people. Yeah, a, a, a small community that's uh, geographically diverse on that island. And so so a radio antenna was not the way to reach people. At least with low power, right? Because right. because of the limits on that. And instead decide to create the same sort of idea and create a community podcasting enterprise. And some of the program airs uh, or is going to air on a um, a locally owned municipal station. Hmm. So a uh, a a city or uh, uh, a sort of state uh, office can get in a, a low powered AM station. But AM, because of the way it travels, will cover a little more territory. Mm-hmm. You'll see those like travelers information stations right. as you go up on an interstate, tune into like fourteen ninety or something. It's like that. So they're providing some of that programming via the podcasting effort. Um, we just thought it was great this idea that we could create community podcasting, but still do it in a form that it's not. Just uh, like us, two guys, right. <laughs> two guys well, in a home office or, or a, the breakthrough. <laughs> the breakthrough idea for me from that segment was an, the idea that you could create a podcast that wasn't directed at the world audience, that was directed at your town, mm-hmm. like podcasting for your town. That 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 was new for and me. There's no reason why it can't happen yeah. in the same way that you that, that there are plenty of web publications for a particular town or city or yeah, neighborhood. Of it's obvious, but it just never had occurred to just me. Just because it's accessible to the world doesn't mean that that it has to be directed at the world. So what did Barry say in his email? So right now at 365 episodes, 
Um, and they continued to combine adult and high school radio club volunteers for producing, hosting, audio editing, and their social media publishing. Next year, they're moving into a studio space uh, purpose-built for them mm. inside of a 25,000-square-foot community-funded arts and artisan center, which is now in construction in the middle of the island. Uh, it's called the Bainbridge Artisan Resource Network, BARN. And so they'll be bringing in uh, Bainbridge Community Broadcasting and conducting uh, audio training and creative audio skills to people across uh, Bainbridge Island. That's, so. that's really wonderful. Congratulations to everyone at Bainbridge yeah. Community. Um, I'm never going to get the name of their- Bainbridge Community Broadcasting. Community Broadcasting. Congratulations yeah. to you guys. Uh, great work. Looking forward to hearing more about about how things are going. And I would love to know, are they the- who else, Is anyone else building this kind of community- media organization in another community or is this is this the first yeah i i would love to know more um so you can learn more about bainbridge community broadcasting um at our website you can see our show notes for this episode at radiosurvivor.com slash podcast if you know about a similar sort of effort and it doesn't necessarily need to be um i mean i would say bainbridge that's a big effort there's a lot of people involved it doesn't have to be necessarily that big but do you know of kind of like a pure play podcasting initiative that's intended to sort of have these qualities are a lot like community radio yeah, we'd love to hear about it yeah yeah uh Podcast at radiosurvivor.com. Yes. Drop us an email, please. So that tagline now. Uh-oh. So we asked for some suggestions. We asked for people to tweet us, and people did. Oh. Which is lovely. So uh, let's go through them, and maybe what we'll do here is we'll throw it out to uh, to the Radio Survivor listeners. We'd love to hear what is your what's your favorite amongst these taglines. Are we going to end up with Bodie McBoatface? Yes, we're going to end up with Bodie McBoatface. Does, does, I'm just going to leave that reference there. Google it if that reference didn't make sense. <laughs> but um, I think they're all better than Bodie McBoatface. So uh, uh, the radio that's, survivor that's listenership is very is is uh, is is smart and respectful towards us. So we have uh, – we'll put these out. We'll put these in the show notes as well so people can kind of vote on them. You can just – you can tweet at us. You can send us an email uh, and we'll see what comes out. I don't know if we – I mean, you know, it depends how many votes we get. We, Not to mention workshop. They can, they can take the idea oh yeah, that's and, right. and, cha- and make it their own. But we're, 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 we're closing in here. Oh, good. Maybe another 12, 14 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have – by the time we've reached our, a full two years of podcasting, we will have a tagline, I think. So the first one comes from John Hill, which is at lawful good guy on Twitter. And uh, John's suggestion is uh, the podcast about radio stations, radio programming, podcasts, and the people who make them. To the point. Yeah. Really nothing to argue about that. No. So that's number one there. The podcast about radio stations, radio programming, podcasts, and the people who make them. Nothing. It all fit in 140 characters. Do you want me to argue, though? It's one breath. We were, we were avoiding the word podcast. Right. But, yeah. But, you know, so when we, it could be like a friendly amendment. The right? program. Somebody might segment that. Yeah. Could, might, might second that, that, uh, that uh, proposal. Oh, but then there's the word programming. Anyway, I'm not going to do this now. That would be a big mistake. Thank the you, show, John. You can use the word show. show. Good old Believe show. me, I know every synonym for podcast. I wonder why that is, Paul. Uh, let's, on this one, I, I It's because writers don't like to repeat themselves in adjacent sentences exactly. if they can help it. Okay. Uh, I can't read and you've this you've put one. together a whole lot of sentences. I got it. Okay. The next one is, oh, that's John Hill twice. Let's see. The next one is Radio Survivor, all the pod that's fit to cast. 
quick, to the point, snappy. Punny. Little Punny. Bit, little bit of Indeed, that's from Stars 99.3, which is at uh, 99.3 WBED. So that's from a radio station. Oh, thanks. Thank you so much, Stars 99.3. All the pod that's fit to cast. Um, and here's one from Dale Connolly, at Dale Connolly. The sound of strong communities. Now that is both pithy, straight to the point, has words we like. I like that suggestion. So I think yeah, we have you. a total of three suggestions. Thank you to those uh, those three submitters. So we will on we will put this on the uh, well, well. We'll have a grand reveal next week. I think we can do that. I think we can promise that much. Whoa! I think we I think we can do this. We can promise that next week uh, we can change it after next week, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a constantly in motion kind of thing, man. No tagline sticks with you forever. Unless you're the New York Times. You know what's, um, I wonder what Matthew Lassar thinks because I've noticed lately that um, he's down on the word community when it comes to community radio. Uh, uh, okay. He prefers audiences of, over communities. Does he? We'll have to get back. Yeah, I think you're going to need to ask him for clarification. I'm going to. I will ask him. He's going to hear this and he'll clarify for us. Thank I, you, Matthew. We, we should be calling you right now and, and taking you away from he should grading be calling or us. something. Okay. Well, so that's, uh, that is pretty much all the follow-up I had. Great. Uh, so I think uh, now is a great time for us to uh, check in with Jennifer in College Radio Watch. Joined on the line for College Radio Watch with Jennifer Waits. Welcome, Jennifer. Hey, thanks. So uh, we're going to talk about three topics today on on the College Radio Watch segment. Let's start. Let's start with some um, rather tragic news. Let's start with the fire. Yeah, this is sort of every station's worst nightmare, and and thankfully I don't hear about this sort of thing happening very often. But WTBU at Boston University had a really bad fire on March 25th and the station is basically destroyed. So it's, it's just this really awful traumatic situation. And um, if you look at the station's social media, everyone seems to be remaining quite upbeat about things. People are sharing memories of the station and they're working to start posting podcasts so they want to continue doing radio doing radio while the studio is um inaccessible right because they're off the air now yeah they're off the air they expect to be back on the air in the fall um so in the meantime they're going to do podcasts and post those uh but they're also actively fundraising because it's going to take a bunch of dough to get things rebuilt there. Right. And as of airtime, the cause of the fire is not well known, but it, it appears as though it was like something electrical in one of the studios. Yeah, that's what um, that's what they've said is that it's an electrical fire. And there were actually students from the station who were in the building at the time. Yeah, they were broadcasting, right? Um, yeah, they were there and um, and the fire was in, I think, a studio where the students were not. Um, but they, they happened upon it and, and actually had to go to the hospital for smoke inhalation. So everyone's okay. Um, but the station is not okay. Yeah. So this makes me, uh, this makes me think about, um, the, the kind of archives to save the history of a station that, um, 
where, like, what kind of advice would you give to to a radio station, college or otherwise, to to have to preserve some of their history offsite? Yeah, because that's I been know. the most the most devastating thing. In addition to them being off the air today, is that so much of uh, their their archives and and their their collection um, has potentially been destroyed. Although it's not clear how many things they can recover. Right. Um, yeah. The I spoke with the advisor over email and Donahue, and and she told me that I was asking about some of the music too. Yeah. Because um, they had a collection of a small collection of LPs. And she said they were behind a cinder block wall and many were smoke damaged and melted, but mm. there are some that survived and they're going to try to clean those. And the same goes for a file cabinet of papers. So uh, she also said they had a signed note from Howard Stern who got his start at WTBU and that note, she said, was toasted, Aww. as well as all of the equipment for, and furniture. Um, and that it was mostly, mostly smoke damage, more than fire damage, but that, you know, it was a complete loss. So, yeah, how do you, you know, the most important thing, of course, are the people and the students, and they're okay. Right. Um, but if you want to plan ahead, you know, I don't often hear about fires, but I've heard about a lot of stations that have had water damage and flooding over the years. Um, so things like this do happen. So, so yeah, I, I think it's good to build a relationship with your campus archivist and get some of these historic items like paperwork and ephemera um, over, you know, a collection of program guides maybe that you've had for your station's history get those over to your archivist and they can store things in a very safe temperature controlled environment. Um, so that's one thing you can do. You can also start digitizing things on your own so that you have at least some sort of record of this material. And the same goes for, for recordings. Um, you can undertake digitization projects so that if you lose things like old reels and tapes, then at least you'll have a digital archive of that. Keep oh. one copy somewhere not in the in the building. Yeah, and and maybe have some server space that is not at the building. Have that off-site as well. Um, but yeah, it's something that you know you don't really want to think about, but it's good. It's good to be planning for emergencies mm-hmm. and think about some ways that. Your station can think ahead and, you know, if if something horrible happened at the station, um, what do you absolutely not want to lose and, and see if you have a backup plan for it. Yeah. Well, in happier news, let's let's uh, let's switch gears and talk about what what is a vinyl thon? There's a vinyl thon coming College Radio Day, which um, is is normally known for their fall college radio day, mm-hmm. uh, which is a day set aside to celebrate college radio. Uh, they just added a new event this year called a vinyl thon and it's going to happen on record store day, which is Saturday, April 16th. And it's a pretty simple concept. They're just inviting college radio stations to play vinyl that ah. day. Hopefully a lot of stations already play vinyl, but if they don't, maybe this is an incentive 
So they, and they wanted to have something that was sort of a tie in to record store day. Mm-hmm. So, um, the, they're asking stations to set aside at least one hour of the day to play all vinyl. <laughs> it's such a measly request. when you. I know, I know at my station, it's, it's more than that every day. Uh-huh. Um, so it, it's kind of funny, but, but it's interesting for some people, vinyl is a challenge and, Sure. And I've heard some chatter. There's some stations that maybe play all digital music and they have all digital reporting mechanisms. And so um, some people are actually confused about how to report various details about the vinyl that they're playing because they're used to it being sort of automated for them with their digital sure. playlisting. <laughs> so that to me was, was kind of strange. Um, but but anyway, yes, you can play all vinyl for a day and still be legit. It's Great. it's true. <laughs> so when's when is record store day and and vinylathon, college radio day vinylathon? It's Saturday, April sixteenth, and you can sign up on the college radio day website. They're they're trying to collect a list of the stations that are participating, and they're asking that stations commit to playing at least an hour of music entirely from vinyl, and preferably longer. So, um, it will also be interesting to see if there are stations who are going to play vinyl all day long, because I'm sure there will be. Sure. Why wouldn't they? Yeah. Um, so uh, our last, our last topic is going to be, um, that there's a, a national student production awards, uh, submission. What, what is this? Tell us the details. Yeah. So college broadcasters Inc is one of the college radio organizations out there. Um, it's actually a a student media organization. And so the, there are people involved who um, also do uh, television um, as well as radio, but they have an annual conference in October. And during that conference, they give out the national student production awards. So they have just opened up their submission process for those awards. And people have until May 13th to submit various pieces of production to CBI and uh, for consideration to win a national student production award. So it can be for a variety of things for news programming, radio drama, um, public service announcements, sports broadcasting, a wide variety of things. And they had uh, close to 900 entries last year. So it's pretty, pretty big deal. Mm -hmm. So that is happening. And, um, CBI is also accepting session proposals for that very same conference in October. So if you are interested in attending the conference, which will be in Philadelphia, and you would like to present on any given topic, uh, those proposals are open. And it can be people from college radio stations. It can be people from the music industry or from commercial radio um, you know, there's always, there are always a wide range of sessions at that conference about doing radio, um, the radio, the culture of radio. So I would, I would encourage people to investigate that too, if they're planning to attend that conference. Hey, th- yeah. those were the main three topics, but I just want to surprise you because I kind of want to talk a little bit about, just a little bit, about the idea that WNYU is having its college radio station played on campus 
at a Pete's coffee shop, which yeah. sounds like a small deal, but I kind of like the idea of how small it is and why it's important. No, it's a big deal. There, you know, over the years, um, I've heard a lot of stations talk about the challenges of getting their station played on campus. <laughs> right. Um, like you think that in a room would, where people are gathered, the yeah. radio is on and it's the college radio station. Yeah. And there can be, there can be a lot of red tape surrounding that or concerns about, you know, what if something is played that not everybody likes, you know, which happens, right? Uh-huh. Um, when I was in college, our radio station was played in half of the dining center. There were two sides to the dining center. So if you sat on the <laughs> right side, you could hear the radio station. If you sat on the left side, it was, you know, completely silent. Um, and that's where our main audience was, was in the dining center. And, and, um, right. and that was, that was a big deal. And, and you knew people were listening cause they would walk downstairs to the radio station and, make requests or complain <laughs> or whatever. Um, so, you know, that was great. I, I liked having a built-in audience on campus when sure. I was doing I undergrad. Could, I could imagine, radio. I could imagine that it's the beginning of um, introducing the station to new people, to new, to new students. Like they might, this might be the room in which they discover that there is a college radio. Uh, at yeah. Campus. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, I think it saddens people sometimes when they go in the campus bookstore or a campus cafe and they're hearing a Pandora mix, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, we have a college radio station. Why can't we hear the college radio station on campus? So at NYU, WMYU is now getting played in Pete's Coffee on campus, which is, I think, a great step in the right direction. It'll be interesting to see if we hear, you know, about feedback on if people are enjoying listening to the station in Pete's. Um, but, but yes, I would be curious to hear from some of our listeners about this topic and if college radio stations are being played on your campus, right. in various locales. And, and I'll go, uh, I'll go ahead and expand it to, to, to ask if there's anybody out there who knows about uh, other uh, community radio stations that have a dedicated a public space where where they can depend upon being heard because I think it it doesn't have to just I mean college radio is a unique case because there's already a physical community with 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 boundaries and uh, and so of course you should hear the radio of college somewhere on campus but it feels like community radio uh, something similar like I I happen to uh, this story reminded me that there was a burrito shop that I loved to uh, take my lunch break on when I worked at KPFA and they dependably uh, played KPFA uh, inside inside the, the burrito shop both the talk and the music would be on as the as their store's background music and that always oh, that's great. that always made me feel um special even though it was a very, very tiny burrito shop. Uh, and so that idea of um, where is the radio station dependably being played in public uh, really intrigues me. And I bet you there's lots of great examples of that happening all around the country. So uh, yeah, Radio Survivor um, listeners, are please, please email us to tell us about where you know your station can be heard or, or a station that you once heard uh, in public. Uh, podcast at radiosurvivor.com. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today for College Radio Watch on the podcast. 
And if people want more information about any of the stories we just talked about, of course, those will be in the show notes and also on the website at radiosurvivor.com. Great. Thanks, Eric. Thank you, Jennifer, for keeping us up to date with what's going on in college radio. And in just a moment, some not so happy news as we dig into the what is being called a massacre at KGO and KFOG in San Francisco. Um, but in the meantime, in just a moment, I just would like to remind you to please subscribe to our podcast. If you use iTunes, that's a great place to do it. Um, but if whatever app you use to subscribe, so you get it into your, your, however you like to listen to the show, you get it every single week without fail. Um, if you use iTunes, if you would rate it or leave us a review, that would be great too, because that helps uh, people find it. Those goes into the, into the magic behind the scenes there at iTunes when it comes to ranking shows and putting them higher on the charts um, and also coming up in search results. So if you would give us a uh, uh, click a few stars or leave us a review on the program, we'd uh, appreciate that as well. And as we've you know said many weeks before, uh, we'd love to turn this into a regular radio show that's go from podcast only to being broadcast. And make dependable it clock. Dependable clock. Make it very available to low-power FM stations, college stations, community stations, any non-commercial station that wants to air this because we want to celebrate radio. We want to – you know, I think community radio is about pulling back the curtain and making – you know, sort of revealing – the machine behind it and the people and the personalities. And that's great for listeners to better understand their stations and to maybe perhaps help encourage them to become greater supporters of this uh, great medium. But we need your help to do that. Um, please go to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash radio survivor. We need to get to $500 a month. Uh, of money coming from supporters of Radio Survivor so that we can turn this into a weekly show. Do the extra work and obtain the resources necessary to to reliably distribute the show to any station that would like to carry it. Uh, right now, you know, we, we work real hard just to get it out every week. Um, and that extra time that requires to make sure that we meet, you know, a very consistent clock so it can be easily put into someone's programming schedule without them having to do the edits. Uh, we keep it clean, so it's currently broadcast ready but it's tough when it when it when it varies week to week um you know from you know 55 minutes to an hour or five or even some cases less than that to make sure there's a consistent digest that stations can pick up that requires extra time and effort and money to, to distribute it reliably we can use your help please go to patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash radio survivor right and and uh, much like any other campaign that i'm sure listeners are familiar with uh, we're not asking for all that money from one person so any uh, small contribution on a monthly basis uh, will help get us there and so now let's turn our attention to san francisco why are, why do we care about san francisco today well because the you know here on Radio Survivor, uh, I, I, at, at the moment I don't have at my fingertips which episodes those were, but we've been talking about Cumulus, uh, the, well, it's been on a number of episodes because it also goes back to the 1996 Telecommunications Act, which we commemorated the 20-year uh, anniversary of. Well, all this is to say is that some of the doom and gloom predictions that we made on this podcast have come to pass. Um, and we're not happy about it. 
No, well, yeah, it's, <laughs> this it's is, terrible. They're, they're, right. I, I, I want to be always very clear about this. When we make or le- these sort of doom and gloom predictions, it's not out of joy. I'm not, I don't want to dance on Dear the grave God, no. of any stations. We, we care about radio and we care about the people who make radio and we care about audiences. And all of those people just lost big time with this news that broke where, where this big radio station that was, um, I learned uh, today was um, – takes credit for inventing the live and local news talk format in this country, that this is where that uh, dominant form of radio uh, was born at KGO in the San Francisco Bay Area. It also was the uh, number one rated radio station in that market for decades, Um, and it had a robust uh, and well-staffed newsroom, which as of March 31st... uh, is no longer the case. The entire newsroom was laid off. So, um, at a, at at a news yeah. talk station. Yeah, it's just terrible. Um, so, gosh, in past in past episodes of the program, we've talked about why this happened and how the uh, how the groundwork was laid uh, with this act of uh, Congress and, in and 1996. This was, and this and, station was not alone. Its sister station, KFOG, KFOG, which is a a very beloved rock station that it has its sort of roots in right. kind of a freeform tradition, album oriented rock tradition. It's kind of soldiered on, although has also had these rocky moments in the last 20 years, was also hit with layoffs. So mm. across these two stations, 20 staffers were laid off. Wow. 20 people off across two and stations as I understand in San Francisco. It, the this was sort of the 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 last the last round of devastating layoffs that KGO had not uh, been untouched up until this moment, that that the history of um, ownership under Cumulus has been one of uh, devastating cuts upon devastating cuts. This just appears to be... Uh, yeah, so the station is shifting away from the news focus to being more of a talk station. So there may be still news updates coming from network or compiled one way or another, uh, but they're going to be focusing more on sort of strict talk programming. So one person, I guess there's a host, Ron Owens originally announced that he would be moving to another station, KSFO. But uh, there was enough outcry amongst uh, listeners. His audience, yeah. His audience that he's being retained at KGO. You want to guess at the salary? I heard. I just heard it on the segment that I listened to. So it was a million something. One million dollars. feel like Dr. Evil. <laughs> One million dollars. That's not a lot of money in San Francisco anymore. Yeah, but it, I mean... <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm curious I've never to know. seen it. I'm None of my friends know. have ever seen it, but he probably can't even buy a house. <laughs> I'm curious to know how many uh, staffers, though, other staffers right. could be could be retained for that salary. Right, right, right. Uh, but he is not a journalist, right? He, he is a talk show talk host. Talk show host. So, you know, Paul, we've leading up to this story, we've talked about this topic or specifically or in general, at least on four or five previous episodes of the podcast. So what do you want to add? Well, I mean, here's the problem. The problem is, is that Cumulus is a company that is $2.5 billion in debt. It owns a lot of radio stations. It is the second largest owner of radio stations in the country after iHeartMedia. This is the result of the 1996 Telecommunications Act with lifted ownership. Well, this is the the effect of business decisions made in response or, you know, made because this Telecommunications Act permitted it, right? That business decision 
one of the biggest ones was to hoover up as many stations as you can. Short-term gain. For short-term gain. The short-term plan was simple. We hoover up stations, and in market by market, we combine them. Right. So instead of there being uh, three separately owned stations or four separately owned stations, you bring them all into one into one building. You then don't need to have four engineers. You probably only need one. Maybe you only need one or two program directors or maybe none because your program director is in a, is in Los Angeles or in Seattle. You can save on office supplies. You can save on office supplies. You save, you know, you don't need you, you cut your ads, ad sales staff because you don't need to have as many people. So there was immediately an increase in profit simply because you were driving down the cost of doing business. Because you're firing people. And often there was a lot of pressure to further drive to get it. Now, oh my gosh, look at these profits. Well, they need to continue to increase at this pace, which usually resulted in more layoffs, more consolidations, more firings. But yet the profits were coming, you know, only on the face of, of compared to, to revenue. What goes on in the background, though, is how do you finance buying all these stations, right? So how do you keep going? How do you keep keep the engine going? It started with the loans. You start with loans. And that's exactly now why Cumulus sits on $2.5 billion in debt. Because my argument is that their method for doing radio was not one focused on programming and not one focused on that product, but was focused on squeezing out as much capital as they could from the operation. So rather than investing in programming, rather than using it as as a place to invest and grow the medium, uh, they were basically squeezing money out of the medium. Which had an impact on the quality for audiences. Which Right, which, which tended to drive down. Uh, listenership. So here you have a number one station getting rid of essentially one of the biggest reasons why people tune into a station like KGO. To hear the news of the day. To hear the news. What is going on in San Francisco? What what they lost were reporters who would leave the building, take their microphones, and go get stories. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not, I mean, I don't know if I have to uh, over explain that to our audience the value of that, but it's, it didn't used to be so unique and it's become, uh, very rare and so valuable. Like for a, for a person who wants to follow a story to leave the building and go find out from other people, like to put the microphone in their face and get the story, uh, so valuable and now rarer and rarer. This is not the story of the decline of radio. Because this is the story of a decline of a particular business model. And you say that because uh, the dominant narrative in the country, one that maybe Radio Survivor is here to counter day after day, is that radio is on to the the decline because of the internet came along. And people don't need radio anymore. They don't even like it. And that's not because of the quality of the radio. It's because of... uh, it's because new technology is replacing it. Right. And and it should be expected when you have new media platforms that that, of course, is going to cause any erosion on any existing platform. I love Spotify. Right. That, that, that's going to happen. But the erosion in radio hasn't been precipitous. It isn't this massive fall off. It, it, is an, it is a gradual change in listening habits. But one can also make the argument that those changes in listening habits were brought on by 
disinvestment by brought on by companies like Cumulus in particular, not investing in the programming and then doing like what happened at KGO, laying off the staffers, creating the programming, which so many people was the reason why they're tuning in and why they're listening is, is you, we can argue about, you know, the nature of radio journalism and in, in commercial radio. And, 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 you know, there are many faults that one can find. And yet when something happens in New York city, people tune to ten ten wins, right? They tune to WCBS 880. People know it. It's driven in their mind. Like, okay, well, that's where I'm going to find out what's happening right now. Right. What is what, you know, and sure it's traffic, sure it's weather, both important things to know about, but also breaking news and breaking news. What's happening in my city, in my town. Why am I stuck in this traffic right. jam right now? Right. What Whereas the, what's going on down the road? Plenty of news talk stations across the country. You can tune in and you will hear, sure, you'll hear ABC network news at the top of the hour, CBS network news at the top of the hour, but you probably won't ever hear your local news because those journalists aren't there right. or they're only reporting. there. If you're lucky, they're there maybe during uh, drive time and you'll get a little bit of local news updates. But that is really where where the medium is going again uh, because of business decisions. Yeah, not because the audiences have changed their minds about what they want. Because and and when you think about radio and you see how uh, Spotify and Pandora have been challenges to sort of pop radio and to and to music radio, what they are not and have not provided a challenge to is journalism in news. There isn't a good internet competitor from in, in audio, right. right? That you could get in the car, that you can get in places in ways in which you, you, you aren't staring or can't stare at a screen. Right. Well, and hence why we see the ascendancy of public radio, yeah. why NPR, American public media, public radio international have seen their, their value go up in the intervening decades because they have been providing that sort of valuable. I will make an argument because I've had the privilege of participating in this sort of thing that live breaking news radio is, is, uh, the gold standard for information and news when something is happening uh, in the place where you live, that, that you can take a microphone to where the thing is happening or, or your cell phone and, and get reports and hear the voices and hear the sounds of what is happening. And that's the most immediate form of news that there is. And that, again, you don't need a cell tower. You may not even need to have your electricity on. Right. You can be in a car. Right. It's possible for a television station to to duplicate what I just bragged about. But often there's something about uh, radio where they're willing to d- devote more of the, that resource, partly because it costs less money to get the sound than to also get the image. But there's – I mean we don't have to talk about yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a, there's a further point I would like to – like to go down here. And this is something I actually wrote about in our newsletter – uh, that went out the Radio Survivor Bulletin, which you can sign up for at radiosurvivor.com. It's free. It's a digest of what goes on at the site, and we uh, sometimes add in other um, other little bits of information, other thoughts. Uh, so Matthew wrote about K Fog, right, which is a sort of album-oriented rock station. Uh, sort Ma- of a- Matthew Lassar, in case yeah, Matthew Lassar is a contributor to Radio Survivor, and he noted that you know with. And basically what happened, there's the same sort of uh, massacre is that they're basically losing their on-air staff, basically going to stop having real live DJs. And he said, look, you know, in the Bay Area, maybe your best 
your best next hope for that sort of kind of programming is a new community station, or it's not really new, but a new format for the community station in, uh, in Santa Cruz, KUSP and saying, you know, really, if you would like to keep some sort of form of this kind of, uh, DJ, uh, curated, uh, rock music on right. the air, you, you ought to be s- supporting this station. And right. it, it's just a shift here because, Here's here's the problem for listeners and audiences. The problem for listeners and audiences is you come to rely on these stations like KGO, and yet clearly there you're all you're often made to feel like you're honestly not taken into account, or that your reliance on this station is 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 secondary, tertiary, or even lower. In, in, in the analysis than that. Right. It's they've they've really strengthened the fundraising argument for any community radio station. Exactly. For all of its problems, KPFA has actual journalists working in the Bay yeah. Area. A handful and, a handful of them are paid, a handful of them are incredible volunteers, and I was one of them. You leave the building and you get the story. And it continues to provide that service even if its governing organization has its own issues. It's continuing to broadcast every well, single day. I should I want to say because of um my my friends and former colleagues at KPFA produced an amazing segment on this story that I want Radio Survivor listeners to hear because I just listened to it and it sounded like a segment for Radio Survivor. We could take the entire half hour and drop it into our show and and the listeners would get exactly the same kind of nutritious information they've been looking for. Um, it aired on, on April 6th on KPFA on the morning show Upfront and they talked to Terry Hardesty, Hardesty who's a reporter at KGO who's only there for three years, so she didn't have to sign the non-disclosure agreement. So That's she, right. No one can, can comment she on was the, the record. the only reporter who was laid off uh, on March 31st who could talk about it and not lose her severance. And so that was a fascinating firsthand account of just the horrible way they... I mean, she learned that she was getting laid off when her phone started buzzing as she drove up uh, to the parking lot that day um, because colleagues in the media had found out first. And then uh, my uh, upfront then switches to talking with Claudia Lamb, who worked at KGO in the news department from 2007 to 2011. And she wrote um, a really amazing article and she was a great guest. I want to poach that guest for radio survivor, uh, much like uh, Dr. Christopher Terry, when he spoke about how it felt to work at a radio station that was um, being destroyed by a, uh, um, consolidation being uh, she, changing hands every, yeah. every few years she yeah had, so she told a similar story about um them didn't the first step was denying them paper towels <laughs> that was the first step and it get it gets a whole lot worse from there and so uh, we'll have links to all this in our show notes radiosurvivor.com slash podcast what were you saying before i interrupted you to well, talk about kpfa segment right so here's segment. the problem right the problem is is that you know in some ways, a radio license is a public trust. It's supposed to be, right? Uh, they're not free anymore, although, you know, a, a legacy 
commercial broadcaster like KGO obtained his license for free. And there are some minor costs associated with uh, regulation and such. Wow. By and large. It's like the land rush days. Like Oh, precisely. It's a, it's a very recent phenomenon that anyone pays for a license. They're now auction, commercial licenses are now auctioned off, but that's a very recent phenomenon. I like how the, the land the whole, didn't have to be stolen from a native person to first. Like it's, <laughs> it really was like a, a just a boon. Well, that was why there's there were there was why there was public interest requirements. Mm-hmm. The idea is that in exchange for this license, which wow. is effectively free, you would have public service obligations. I'm getting all starry eyed. I can't believe that we had a that in this country that that's how you would. Uh, open up the airwaves if 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 it just if something weird happened but that was the whole point to having again public interest uh, obligations there's no public interest obligation for the next technology in 2016 in 2018 no i mean it's an argument based upon scarcity right it's an argument based upon the idea that there's only so many frequencies available in any given area and therefore it is it is a sort of limited commodity. There's not an infinite amount of spectrum in that yeah. way to give away and that's why uh, there was a public interest obligation. So KGO got it for free. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And certainly, you know, they, they spend money. They have to invest money to, to, to operate it, but it has also been a profitable enterprise. I mean, you know, it, it was a profitable enterprise for decades yeah, the argument prior actually, to being owned by Cumulus. The argument that was being made on the segment that I was referencing on KPFA was that it continues to be profitable to this very day. It's not, yeah, it's it's not, not a lack station. of profit at this individual station. Right. It's the debt load of Cumulus. That Cumulus and, has. And that's right. So it means that your community, San Francisco, is made to basically carry the weight for dozens and dozens and dozens of stations and clusters elsewhere in the country that are not profitable or maybe are profitable, but were bought with leveraged debt that is needing to be paid off. Right. Is there a prediction right now. now for how this all unwinds? Because you started off uh, on previous episodes of the podcast talking about, well, we can we can read the tea leaves with what's happening with Cumulus and say that layoffs are coming to other stations. But yeah, now, I mean now what? But yeah, exactly. So now so, that that's happened, yeah, well, it may happen elsewhere. I mean, it's it's almost impossible to 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 predict. But but the point I wanted to, wanted to draw out here, right, is is this is this is a real problem. The problem that uh, listeners have virtually no agency. Right. So all the listeners who are disappointed in the loss of news at KGO have virtually no agency. Unless they give to their local community radio station. Well, they have no agency at KGO, right. though. Right. And this is the and this is the problem, and I'm gonna call it the problem of free. And I think that this yeah. is this is uh, something which we're I think we're certainly facing in internet media. Yeah, social media. And 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 everywhere is this problem, right? In that KGO was free to you as a listener in exchange for you listening to commercials. That's it, right? Commercial, you know, they're basically in the business of selling commercial time, which then finances the station being there and gives you a reason for tuning in. It's a long bar, you know, the bargain has been around a long time. Generations. And, and there are reasons, there are reasons why many people have, have principled opposition to that. And there are many people who don't. And in many cases, it's worked. It worked for it has worked for KGO for quite some time, allowed them to provide a certain level of service to their community in exchange for that commercial time. Um, it's the American way. The, the problem, of course, is a listener, though, 
the only way you can vote is to not listen, but it's not linear, right? One person decided no longer to listen to KGO saying, well, I don't like what KGO is doing anymore and quits and they quit listening doesn't show up on their radar. It's going to take a long time. This may show up on their radar. They may see their ratings plummet. We don't know, but there, there may indeed be, be that may happen. And of course, if their ratings plummet, the amount they can charge for ad time goes down because they're, they're directly linked. Um, so it does seem like KGO shooting itself in the foot or Cumulus shooting itself in the foot in that way. But I, I'm not privy to what their logic is. I don't know the way they, they run their business. Um, but what we see is that, it, yeah, listeners have less agency and they have less agency because of that relationship. But two, they have less agency because KGO isn't owned by a San Francisco owner. If you think about how uh, these things often worked, right, there could be an office to go meet with the general manager or the president of the company for a locally owned company to say, we're very concerned. Like you're part of our community. You live in our community. We care about your station. Your station should care about us. There could be that kind of, even if it's an agency and, and this responsibility that sure, it's not guaranteed, right? There's, they're, they're not, they're not required to do your bidding, but there's a dialogue that you can have. So the listeners at KGO, are they going to travel to Cumulus headquarters? Who do they talk to? Certainly, um, they're going to have a hard time talking to KGO staff, because they're not yeah, there. There won't be anymore. Yeah. Uh, there's that change in all of this. Um, that bargain is getting seriously tested, seriously stretched to its limits. And as listeners then, right, what do you do in terms of news radio? What if, what if a station, whether it's like KPFA or another community station, could have that financing to be able to do that news and journalism. And there are like, there's a very good, there's several very good public stations in, in the San Francisco yeah, oh, yeah, area. Yeah. yeah. As long with, along with good community stations, along with good college stations. These are stations that can begin to fill in that gap. Yeah. Uh, KALW has a handful of reporters on staff. But the difference is they need, they need that support from their communities. And what that means for the listener is radio stops being free. Now, it's not required, right? There's there's no coin slot on your radio. There's not going to be any uh, – you're not going to have to enter in a code. You're not going to have to use your credit card. You can still get these stations for free. You can still just tune in. But if you really want the service, it probably behooves you to begin to think about supporting the stations that can and will make this sort of commitment. Um and, and, and it, I think it, it's it's we're seeing this shift, and I think when it comes specifically to journalism, but but moreover to community focused, community supporting broadcasting, it is stopping to be free. It depends on who pays the bills, but that is I think we're starting to see that shift to listeners to consumers, and I think we're seeing that we see that online where newspapers are starting to, to, to limit the number of articles you can read for free without having a subscription, where uh, they're suffering because of the people using ad blockers. And I know many publications now, if you're using an ad blocker, they'll put up a little message that says, hey, would you consider turning off your ad blocker? Or even more, they'll say, we'll let you see one article with the ad blocker on, but until you turn it off, you won't see another article. Because, right, they're basically like, look, here's the bargain. It's it's not really free to you. Somebody else is paying the bill. Yeah. But if they don't have access to your eyeballs, then they don't want to pay that bill. And you can't really argue with that logic. 
Um, whereas other publications take the opportunity to, to, you know, that are subscription only and it's a shift and, and we're seeing it here in radio. I think we're seeing it here in radio and in all around media here is that we've had this sort of, it's going on about 20 years where, you know, we've had the so-called disruption of the internet, right? Where now everything's free, right? Uh, information wants to be free, except we forgot about the part that somebody still has to make this stuff, right? And a KGO, it's some almost 20 staffers making news, finding news, reporting on news who will not be doing it now. So where's that news going to come from now? Right. <laughs> like who, who knows? We don't know. How will that happen? Um, because it's not, who do they, if they're going to outsource it to, I mean, can they Uber it? Right. Are they going to, are they going to, is there someone going to come up with the Uber of radio journalism where you, you're going to sign up as a freelancer and your phone's going to ding and it's going to say, Hey, why don't you run out to this fire downtown and turn on your phone Paul, and we'll pay you. Don't give them ideas. We'll, 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 we'll pay you a dollar a minute, right? For, for, for filing this report live from the scene. There's no money in it. It's exposure. You get exposure. Yeah, right. Exactly. So is this what's going to happen? And I think really the alternative is, is whether it is, it's community radio or public radio. Um, it's supporting folks doing real journalism and maybe it's, maybe it's community podcasting. It's supporting people. Uh, maybe someone in your town who, who maybe one of these laid off journalists at KGO can get to, together and create a yeah, collective. But I've seen this before and yes, that will happen. Some of these laid off journalists will end up, uh, like, um, recovering and, and, and coming up with some sort of, um, uh, you know, living off their severance pay, uh, doing doing journalism for free, but you don't get what was lost. The what and that was this was brought up in the KPFA segment that I was such a big fan of that I do encourage our listeners to check out. Go to the link on the show notes and listen to it. Um, it's the second half of that uh, episode of Upfront when Claudia Lamb, who worked at KGO for. Uh, from two, 2007 to 2011, uh, talked about what was lost. Uh, she posed the question of um, uh, what's going to take its place if if this is what can be rebuilt, or do we get do we get anything back? Is it going to be rebuilt, or is something uh, entirely different and a whole lot less uh, useful to the listener take its place? I'm an optimist, okay, and I always have the greatest respect for people who take these moments as opportunities to create something new. Sometimes it's innovative. Sometimes it's just new. It doesn't have to be innovative. Whether, whether those resources could be diverted to public radio, could be diverted to community radio in San Francisco, or created, or something new that, that I just never have thought of. Okay. Knight Foundation grants. <laughs> or, well, or, or listeners of KGO grants. Yeah. Right. To the, it, it, we have this the break here of like maybe you're gonna have someone's gonna have to pay for this sure. and it's necessary, but it, you can no longer expect to get it for free in the same way. And uh, you know I don't know that that's a bad thing. In some ways, it may create something better, but at the moment, yes, it's disruptive, and I don't think the disruption is necessary. This is not a point we had to get to, that, and I think that's the larger point. I don't want to take this sort of uh, stereotypical kind of uh, stereotypical currently Silicon, popular, yeah, Silicon Valley uh, startup view of like, well, it's, it's a necessary disruption. We must disrupt things to make them better. 
uh, you know, and, and, and all the, you know, the old kingpins need to be torn down and we must destroy all the old methods of, uh, of business and create new ones. I, I, don't, I, I don't buy that. I think, I think a lot of that is uh, self-fulfilling prophecy and, um, you know, it's easy to make that argument when, uh, you know, you've made uh, billions of paper money on an IPO. I don't think we had to get to this point. The problem is we are at this yeah, point. Not not we're 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 a couple of years beyond it. And I understand why it's difficult to convince uh capital right now to invest a lot of money in a cumulus or or iHeart Media because you look at you and, and you look at the businesses well, and you say, Well what 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 have they done with it? Let alone rebuilding local news. And yet forget the national at the same time. We do have see that in many sectors, public radio is doing much better. In many sectors, other sorts of journalism are doing much better. It's not lost. What what I think has to happen, what, what at least part of the process is here, is that listeners, readers, the general public may need to start thinking about being willing to pay directly for it. I mean, you know, if we take the model of the BBC, I mean, we say, oh, that's 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 funded by the British government. Well, yes, but where does the money actually come from? Every single person who owns a television in the United Kingdom pays a tax every single year that funds the BBC. And right now, actually, so right now, if you live in the UK, you can watch BBC programming um, and listen to BBC programming online. Soon, they're making the transition to if you haven't paid that tax, you don't get to listen. And there are reasons to argue for that, and I can also understand why someone may not want to argue for yet another tax in part because often taxes like that are regressive and affect people who are uh, least able to pay um, and affects them the most. And, and it is about getting information in that way, but someone is really paying for it and it's not merely an appropriation made in parliament, right? There's a direct one-to-one ratio there. And here in the U S in our, you know, I can make a strong argument to, to, to revitalize the corporation public broadcasting and to expand going to have to change Congress and, and, and expand it. And, and look, if we can make that change through Congress, I would love to do so. So I don't, yeah. but we hear radio survivor endorse, no, just kidding, <laughs> but you know, it, sure. I I'm all for that. Believe me. I'm, I, 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 that, but I think that us as individuals at right. least, or as communities coming together as as people in our communities, there are things that we can do that don't rely on these larger machinations. That 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 all is not lost, but it will require more from each of us. Because sometimes it's a little too easy to be an armchair activist and to simply advocate. I think for Congress to uh, go and appropriate more to this to the CPB. In some cases, it might be harder to start putting your your money where your mouth is. And I know that. In some ways, I'm preaching to the converted. To so many people listening sure. to Radio Survivor, you're, 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 you are putting your efforts in many cases or your money into these things. But I think it's a message that I think uh, we might spread more. What do you think? We, we'd love to hear from you. What are your thoughts on this? Any San Francisco Bay Area KGO lovers in the audience? I mean, or, or elsewhere because KGO had a bo- has a booming signal. In the 
nighttime because it was on the AM dial. It could be heard from Mexico to Canada. I hear it here in Portland, Oregon. It's a little a little buzzy, but I do hear it. Uh, what do you think? What do you think can happen in this as we have potentially more of these local news massacres uh, as a result of of companies like Cumulus being massively bogged down by debt. Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, the email address is podcast at radiosurvivor.com. That's a down note. It's not a nice day for radio. No. It's a terrible, it's a terrible, like we said at the top of the segment. Hug your community radio station today, will you? Yeah, let alone... Um, all Hug those, your new low power. All those FM. people that uh, that don't have uh, radio jobs anymore. Hug your local. Hug your local public radio journalist, who we're sure is not making as much money as she is worth, <laughs> and is doing it out of out of love and passion for journalism and truth, in as much as she's doing it for the paycheck. <laughs> Give her a hug today too, uh, and be glad that they're there. But I don't know. I, is this a problem? We collectively can solve i don't know it'd be great yeah that's an open question for for uh, tune in next week to radio survivor well thank you for listening and thank you for letting me vent my spleen here on the uh, podcast yeah thanks thanks to everyone for listening and um this is the part where we do the end credits do we do we have anything else to to add no, uh, I mean, tell a friend. Look, right. uh, we're trying to spread the word here about radio. We hope we're doing it. I mean, most of the time, we're, we're full of positive stories. And what, what we, I, think, I think what we're getting at is we have a very cool and dependable audience yeah. that we're extremely grateful for. But one, one can imagine that there's, there's more people out there who would like the show who haven't heard about it yet. And so what we're imagining is that a couple of those people might be your friends. Folks who are upset about uh, a station like KGO, uh, maybe who could use to learn a little bit more about what's really behind this and to try and 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 put it not just in perspective and in focus, but w- as we're trying to do all together here is to figure out well what can happen. It is not. I don't want to leave it as as a massacre. I'd like to see. Right. I'd, I'd like to know that 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 folks aren't really dead. They're just really tired. <laughs> They're just sleeping. <laughs> that they are. That, that maybe there's woundings, but that folks can get back up and this can be repaired. Because I think that's what we're talking about. The whole point of this is that radio is a living medium. It's alive and sure. Uh, this nasty things are happening, but that good things are happening too. Help us spread that word because we'd like not just for people to listen, but uh, we'd like to help to spur people into action, whatever they whatever they want to do. So that would be really great if you'd share the program. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks, Eric. Day.